we're getting into a series in November I'm really excited about. It's entitled Grateful Hearts. I, I, read, I read a story. It's kind of cute. It's about a young boy went to this really cathedral of this uh, with his mom to go worship at this church, and they're walking up these grand steps, and, and there were these statues in, in front of this church, and, and the young boy looked at his mom and goes, what are those? And his mother says, oh, honey, those are Christian saints who died in the service. And he looked puzzled at his mom, and he, he said, mom, which was it? Was it the 9 a.m. service or the 11 a.m. service? I got to tell you, no one died here in these services. In the first service, there was great worship. In this service, I could feel, you know, I can't always hear you because you have the mask on. That's okay. But what I do sense is that wave of worship and praise of your hearts, and that's just overflowing. I could, I could feel the splashing of that just coming upon us as we are worshiping the Lord. Continue to do that. Now, it's going to be a little bit unusual in this series of dealing with grateful hearts because I could have gone so many different ways. But what I'm doing is that I am doing it through worship, grateful hearts of worship, because it is so vitally important that what comes out of my mouth, that I express my love unto the Lord, because when that comes out of my mouth, it affects every single thing around me. So as we get ready to get started here, I want you to stand just once again. You're getting your exercise here a moment, okay? Just stand once again, because we're going to pray for this series and for what God wants to teach us through not, not just encourage you about worshiping with grateful hearts, but understanding the experience of that worship, of what it really means. So, Heavenly Father, there's a word of the Lord that you have for our congregation. There's a word of the Lord that you have for everyone watching online and for America and around this world. And so, I pray that you would bring our minds into captivity. Let our thoughts be only upon you. Let nothing disrupt us of what's going on in our individual lives or on the world around us. But let our minds be focused on your word and where your spirit so desires to lead us and to speak into our lives. And we will give you the glory for this, for we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your Bibles. The sixth chapter of Isaiah, starting with verse 1. In the year of King Uzziah, death, um, King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, lofty and exalted, with his train of his robe filling the temple. Do you picture that, church? I seen a, a experience, a worship service on a Christmas holiday several decades ago, and, and they brought the, the Magi in, and they were walking down the aisle doing this whole drama scene, and that king, as he come down and stood in front of baby Jesus, his servants grabbed a hold of his robe, and they took it, and they shook it, and it went up in the air. And it was so huge, it spread across the whole front of that auditorium. 
It was majestic. And when I saw that, I pictured this, is the majestic look of this mighty God. I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, lofty and exalted, with his train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. <laughs> Let your imagination run. With two, he covered his eyes, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. Now, that got me because I think he covered his eyes and he flew. He has a pretty good radar system, doesn't he? And one called out to the other. One called out to the other. I, I remind Pastor Anthony, I, I tell him, says, Pastor Anthony, remember when, when we are singing that we are singing to one another. Church, when we are singing, we are singing one to the other. One to the other that we are singing. And that these cherubims, these seraphims, that they are singing, they are saying to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds tremble at the voice of him called out while the temple was filled with smoke. And then he said, woe is to me, for I am at ruin. He didn't say, I feel bad, or wow, I'm, I'm convicted. He said, I am ruined when he came into the presence of God. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among the people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphims flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongues, and he had touched my mouth with it, he said. I find that intriguing, too. He didn't touch his heart. He didn't touch his feet or his eyes. He touched his lips because I want you to know what comes out of these lips speaks what's in the heart of man. He goes, I touched his lips, his mouth, and it said, behold, this has touched your lips and your iniquity has been taken away and your sins is forgiven. Then I heard of the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. Church, what this is teaching us here is one, what a worship experience looks like. And, and more so, he's talking to us what we're going to learn over the next few weeks is what we are to experience in a worship service. It's not just that we sing some songs and get these goosebumps, but what we are to experience. It helps us understand this experience as we grow in the Lord in understanding what a grateful heart in worship is all about. You see, when we come to worship him with a grateful heart, he wants to bring us through a process. Really, he wants us to learn how and what we are experiencing 
as it is happening. So let's get to the very first point here. Number one is what he's saying here is that there is a revelation of God. When God revealed himself in a very special way during um, um, Isaiah's worship experience, he said this, this was when this king died. What is the significance of that? Because this king has been in place for several decades. He was a strong king. He was a fair king. There was security that these people felt in that when this king died, where did Isaiah go? Did he go to his neighbors? Did he go to the polling um, booths? Did he go out in the streets to protest the death of this, of this king? What he did is that he went into the temple. I find that intriguing. Why? Because he felt the emptiness of what has happened in his world. You know, our churches should be full. Because if you sense the unstable conditions out there in a world of which we are living in, there's one place of safety that you could go to that brings unity of one mind and one spirit. It is in the house of God. And when he went to worship, and as he walked in that day, there on the throne was not a king, but as he looked on the throne that day, I saw the Lord. You see, church, when you come in to Channel First Assembly, what do you see? Do you see your friends? What happens as you come through the doors? You park in your pews. You all have certain pews that you're in. And uh, we might as well put your names on or something of that sort. Because believe me, when you, some of you, sometimes you really like to play with my mind, is that you sit in different places where you're not normally, and I'm thinking, where, Luis, where are you? Oh, there you are. You're usually over there. And, uh, but they beat you to your seat on that. And so you, we get, okay, they're over there and not here. But it's beautiful because you have a place where you're comfortable with and the people around you that you so desire to worship the Lord together with. And when we come into the sanctuary at Chandler First, do you see the worship team? I mean, they were good. Do you see me, your pastor? Or do you see the Lord? Now, it's wonderful when we leave and, and we said, man, the music was great. The pastor was anointed. But did you see the Lord? And I speak to you even online. Because wherever you are in America around the world, when you are viewing this, what are you seeing as you come in tune to what we are experiencing here at CFA, do you see the worship? Do you see the preacher? Or do you see the Lord? You see, a grateful heart of worship has to begin when we focus only on the Lord. Not what song selection would be. Not friends you're going to be sitting with. Not what the preacher might even be saying. Is that I want to see the Lord 
first and most. Because we could come, we could sing the songs we like to sing. We could hear good messages and that good, but still not come face to face with God. In 1988, Boston Globe wrote a story about a man who was really all caught up with Elvis Presley. I mean, this guy just, he was his idol. He followed him everywhere he went. Every concert he had in America, he would go to. He spent enormous amount of money. This guy even grew his hair and styled it just the way Elvis did. He went and he got boots just like Elvis's boots, whatever those boots may look like. But he had boots just like Elvis. He wanted to look just like his idol. He, in fact, he would try to get as close to the front so that, that Elvis would notice him. He would grow, go to Graceland, climb up a tree with binoculars just to get a view of Elvis. And he said at the latter part of his life, with spending enormous amount of money and effort to be a part of everything Elvis was doing, he said, it's funny. All the effort I put forth into following him, and I never could seem to get close. You see, we, we could sing a good song. We, we could even pray a prayer with, with God's name in it. But times, if we don't have that grateful heart wanting to see the Lord, we're not experiencing what worship can really be. Well, that takes us. When I come into the house of God, when I come into his presence and I see him in his wonder and his glory, well, in his holiness, there is a realization of that holiness that comes forth. See, these, these, these seraphims didn't fly around and say, faithful, 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 or almighty, almighty, almighty. And those are attributes of God. But what they were saying was holy, holy, Holy is the Lord God of hosts. You see, all other things begin to quickly fade away when we begin to see the holiness of an almighty God. I love the old song which we used to sing. It says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his wonder and his grace. I'm telling you, church, he wants us to focus on who he is and on that holiness. Because when we begin to do that, something begins to happen. It is like a magnet. We want to be closer and closer, closer to him. And that holiness, that righteousness, that just God, it lifts us up into his presence. To be honest with you, when that is happening, I want to be lost in his presence. When's the last time that you were just lost in his presence? The singing has stopped, and you're still worshiping the Lord because you were lost in his presence. There are times as I'm worshiping the Lord here, is that we had the last song, and 
Pastor James is coming up, and we're getting to move on into the service. And, and I go, oh, oh, I got lost. I didn't, literally, I didn't even know where I was except I was in the presence of Almighty God. What I miss more than anything else is not that this pandemic would be over and that we could go into living our lives as we once did. I could go into a grocery store without mask or, or in the public without mask or, or talk to my neighbors without mask. What I miss is I miss the front of this sanctuary being filled with people who aren't worried about being socially distant, that we are close together, oftentimes hand in hands, hands risen, worshiping the Lord, praising him, times when people would just come and kneel at the front of the sanctuary in the holiness of presence, not worrying about who's around them, who is watching them, because the only thing they know is that they come into the, his presence, and that holiness is that realization that it is so, so, so real. Because you see, we're recognizing who he is. There, there was a time when Jesus asked his disciples, he said, who do you think I am? And he specifically spoke to Peter. And Peter looked at him, and, and, and Peter always surprised me, scares me. You know, you're in someone, you ask a question, maybe you're worried about what they're going to say because that's just way too honest, you know, you know. And, and, and the idea that Peter looked at Jesus and says, well, you know, some said that you were John the Baptist. <laughs> and then some said, you're Elijah. But Jesus says, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter looked at him and said, I'll tell you who you are. You are the son of the living God. <laughs> then Jesus looked back at him. He said, Peter. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Do you know what that's saying? What that's saying is, Simon Peter, you didn't learn this by someone else telling you about who I am. It was the Spirit of God who brought this into your mind, your heart, and your spirit. Now, I'm here to tell you that when you come into worship with that grateful heart, it is not this pastor who brings you into that presence and realization of the holiness of God. I don't give you a holy pill. You take it, drink it, and pop up. There it is, the holiness of God. It is God himself who reveals himself unto us. And he so desires to make that experience something that you will never, ever forget. This morning as we sang those songs, I could tell you that there was that tremendous heart of worship of which you had. I could be you know, at those times, I could get up, walk out of church, leave the pew. Don't do that, though, okay? Because, you know. But there's times during that worship when we've entered into his presence, we saw the Lord sitting on the throne. And we saw and experienced the glory and the holiness of God. And that at that moment, we could say, I'm full. That was amazing. 
because we come before him with grateful hearts. Now, I, I want to encourage you, church, is that, and I challenge you that when you come to church, I want you to come to ha- when you have a heart ready for worship. It's not just coming together on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night that it is our duty. Is that I come prepared. Have that car filled with worship music. Have that car, well, have that house filled with worship music that is pl- playing, that you're preparing yourself. I'm going to get a little bit radical here, is that don't stay up so late Saturday night, okay? Go to bed early. Get some rest. Be prepared because I want you at your best. I want you alert. I want you wide awake. I want you with filled with all the energy that you had in a wrestle sleep. I want you ready. I want you prayed up. I want you ready that I'm going to come into that house of God because I want not to see my friends. I, it's nice. But it's nice to be able to come. I want to worship. It's nice I want to hear a good word. I want you to come more so that I want to come and I want to see the Lord sitting on the throne in this place filled with his glory. Because we as a people, there is an experience that God has for us that is not just of flesh and blood, but it's by his power and his spirit. And he draws us into that awareness, and that is available to each and every one of us. Amen. Thirdly, there's that recognition. Now, here it comes of our sinfulness. And as soon as he saw the holy God, did you know what he did? He said this. Woe to me. I am ruined. I am not only, I not only have unclean lips, but I live among the people that have unclean lips. It's not the idea that he took accountability of his own life. He threw everybody else under the bus. You know? Because he knew the condition of the world. He knew the condition of the people around him. And he's saying we need to experience and see the Lord. When we see the holiness of God, there is a tremendous awareness of, well, who we are not. We see our failures. We see our sin. We realize that what we are not. I I love this story about a president of a school of theology. His name is Ron Jensen. And he says this, is that one day he got this phone call from one of his students. He was having a great year at the school as the president of this, of this uh, seminary. And, and, he, and that student was going to ask, can I come in and talk to you, President Jensen? He said, well, sure. Well, he's expecting saying, wow, what a great year. I am learning so very much. And, oh, I just admire your leadership. Well, as this young man came in and sat down in front of him, he began to talk, and for 20 minutes, 
he says, I've been watching you and noticing some areas of sin in your life. He spoke about it for 20 minutes. Now, this president was a little bit taken back about all this because he had to be thinking, who does he think he is? What's he come in and judging me? I mean, this is a good school. We're, we're doing a great job. And he comes in and he attacks my character. And he left and he was kind of mad. He was really upset. And then God spoke to him. And the Lord said, Ron, it could have been worse. I could have told that student about all of your sins. None of us like to be confronted by our sins. But I want you to know, when God confronts us of our sins, it isn't to bring condemnation. It is to bring wholeness. It is to bring forgiveness. It is to bring restoration in your lives because he knows you are better than that. He knows what he has created you to be, and he so desires to bring you to that place of awareness that, that brings you to that place of forgiveness. You see, we, sometimes what we don't is that we realize that maybe we're not as smart as everybody thinks we are, or we don't have all the answers that we proclaim we might be. But what he's saying is, here's your opportunity to bring wholeness, forgiveness, restoration, to become what I truly have created you to be. You see, that takes us to our fourth step here, and that is the renewal of your perspective. What I love about that renewal of that perspective is that there's renewing of our minds. There's a renewing of our perspective. There's the renewing of our gratitude in which we're able to have. And if worship does anything to us, what it does, it brings us to a place where it can lift us up. Anybody enjoy carrying the burden of those sins? I said, boy, that feels good. I love to have all that regret. I love to experience that burden. I love to, to walk in the shame of all that. No one does. And God says, I want to remove that. I want to do something much more. And when we begin to be lifted up, we begin to know that, well, well the chorus is like we sing is, he is Lord. Or maybe um, all I want to be is like Jesus. Hmm. What, what about that old song? I have decided to follow Jesus. Have you decided to do that, my friend? Because, you see, when I come into that awareness of that holiness, when he confronts me with my sin, it's not to destroy me, it is to restore me. 
He wants to lift us up to that place where we're able to come into his presence. And then all of a sudden, I'm not burdened down with everything around me. I'm not burdened down with the sins because he is Lord over all of them. He is Lord over our relationships. He is Lord over our finances. He is Lord over our jobs. And he is Lord over our health. And all of a sudden, I begin to be lifted up into that holy place of an almighty God who cares so much for us. And here's what I want to tell you in closing, my friends, is after we see him, and I come to that place of that promise, I begin to realize that there is something called a commitment to God that comes to place. Because, you see, he knows that he wants you in the game, my friend. He doesn't want you sitting on the sidelines. He knows when you are actively involved and what the work of God can do in and through your life, there is something that is much greater. There is a servanthood that he has called us into. And in that when he told Isaiah, he said, who will I send? And Isaiah said, send me. Send me. You see, church, when he sends us in that first service, we had a word of prophecy that was spoken that when he sends us, he doesn't send us alone. He goes with us. He has prepared us. He said, I will never leave you, forsake you. That which I've begun in your life, I'll bring it to its completeness. He wants you to know that you can be the best version vision of who he is, not who you are. And I love our series that we're on studying on Wednesday night. Because what Pastor James said last Wednesday, there is no one like you. No one like you. And when I'm aware of what God is able to do in our lives, that's what a grateful heart of worship does. I come to that realization that I am able to see the Lord. Do you get that, church? He wants you to become aware of his presence, that you're able to see and sense his glory. He wants you to know that when we come into that presence, there is that holiness that we are able to encounter. That is for you to experience. And that holiness brings me to a place that I am able to realize that I need more of God. But he says, there is more to me to be had. I'm offering to this to you. He wants to touch your lips with the coals of his altar. He wants to touch your life with an anointing that is upon it that can change you, your family, and the world around you. You see, when I come before him with a grateful heart of worship, it is not me getting goosebumps. It is me encountering an almighty God who's alive and who is real. And he's saying, I so desire to send you. Are you willing to go? Are you willing to be used in him? Would you stand with me, please? First of all, I'm going to pray a prayer of salvation. I love doing this. 
I had the privilege a few months back to go into a home of a man where his wife has been praying for him for decades. And I had the privilege to be able to sit in his living room, hold his hand. And this guy, you know, he, he golfed my hand. It was like Joe grabbing a hold of my hand. It was lost in his hand. He was a hardworking man all of his life. Callous is there. And he held onto my hand. And I had the privilege to pray with him that prayer of salvation. And when it was over with, this man's man, he looked at me and he would not let my hand go because he knew that he came in the presence of not Tom Bercozzi, but a loving, forgiving, and almighty God. My friend, you may have been coming to church for a while, but you have been playing church. And God is saying, I want you to get serious. And as you are worshiping the Lord, he is pricking your heart. He's saying, I want something more out of you. And you realize that he's speaking to you today. You've been getting, giving him part of your life, but not all of your life. Today, he wants to send you. But first, you need to become that follower. So with heads bowed, and everyone praying, if I'm speaking to you, that you realize that you need to step it up. You need to get right with God or you need to become a follower of Christ for the first time. That life and death is at stake. Eternity is at stake. And there's something in your heart is that I can sense God's presence in this place. Pastor, would you remember me in I want to pray that prayer of commitment to God this morning. I want to give him my life. The way you do what I ask is that in joining me in that commitment and saying who I'm praying for, if I'm speaking to you, just look up at me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. Would you all pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, today is my day. Today, I'm becoming aware of the holiness of God, of the awe of God. And I'm coming, I'm becoming aware of my own sinfulness. So I ask an almighty, all-loving God to forgive me of my sins. I welcome you into my life to lead me, to guide me in all of your ways. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give God a praise offering. And if you prayed that prayer online as well, let us know. We want to hear from you. But there's one more prayer I'm going to pray. But I'm not going to ask you to bow your heads. Because you see, 
when we're saying, Lord, send me, we don't do that in hiding. When I want the coach to know that I want to be in the game, I don't sit way behind him. I come up beside him. I tap him on the shoulder and I say, coach, put me out in the field. I want to play. I want to be a part of what God is doing in the world today. And when he's saying that I, who can I send, he's asking all of us. It's not just us who are ordained. It is who are called. And every one of us are called by his name. And he wants you to be a part of bringing peace and unity. He wants you to be a part of bringing salvation to a world that needs Jesus Christ. And I'm asking you, by the authority of the, of the position which I hold, of the shepherd of this flock, that I'm going to ask you, who can I send forth? And when I'm asking you, you say, Pastor, send me. I want to be a part of that. More so, Lord, send me. And I don't want you to just look up at me and nod your head and say, I want to be a part of it. I want to see that hand and say, I want on. I'm all aboard. Pastor, I want to be sent to be used for the kingdom of God. Do I have any takers here this morning? Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because there's a work to be done, but we don't do it in our own strength. We do it in that holiness of God. We do it in that mightiness of God. There is nothing that we can't do that he can accomplish in our lives. So, Heavenly Father, these hands that went up online and in this sanctuary that you are calling forth for a church to be sent. Lord, you're calling forth for people to saying that I so desire to be a part of bringing healing to a broken nation, to a broken world. I so desire to want to present the gospel of Jesus Christ through acts of kindness, through words of encouragement, through loving, gentle care. Father, I ask that your anointing would be upon each and every individual who has said, send me, Lord, and let there come a harvest into that work of the kingdom, and we will give you all the glory and praise. In Jesus' name we pray.